This episode is sponsored by Paleo Valley. Paleo Valley's meat sticks have been a lifesaver during this hot summer. Since they're shelf stable, I always have three Paleo Valley meat sticks in my bag at all times. It's also been perfect for my boys' lunch boxes. I love Paleo Valley's grass finished beef sticks and pasture raised turkey sticks because they support US family farmers that focus on regenerative agriculture. These meat sticks are from animals that have never been fed grains, soy, corn, or GMOs and have never been given antibiotics. The spices in these meat sticks are also 100% organic. The sticks come in five different flavors, and my favorite is the original beef stick, and my boys love the teriyaki beef sticks and the original pasture raised turkey stick. Paleo Valley's meat sticks are a perfect snack and, frankly, a great value without skimping on quality. Each stick is about $2 with our discount code, and it comes in a 10 pack bag. Make sure to support this podcast and head over to paleovalley.comslash CATG and use code CATG to get 15% off your first order. Thanks for listening and supporting the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Laura and I are just going to be talking really candid. This is what this podcast is all about. It's one thing to say, I want to eat something else that's not meat. It's a whole other thing to say, you need to eat something else that's not meat. If you notice that you're jumping from diet to diet, at a certain point, you have to wonder the only common denominator is me. Get outside, go for a walk,、yeah. get some vitamin D, breathe some fresh air, and stay happy and healthy and, and take care of yourselves. Let's just have some real talk. <laughs> Welcome to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. Welcome back to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. My name is Laura Spath, and I am joined by my friend and co host, Judy Cho. And the day that we're recording this, actually, Judy、um, made an announcement on her Instagram <laughs> that, I don't know, announcement, whatever. Yeah. <laughs>、uh, that you have been actually doing the、um, original 75 Hard Challenge. Which is different than like the modified carnivore 75 hard challenge that you、uh, created a couple of years ago, which is like, fun fact, how we ended up being <laughs> closer friends. We've shared that, I think, a bunch. But、um, tell, you want to share with people kind of what made you want to do this original challenge in the first place and、um, how it's going? Yeah. So, I'll, I'll tell really brief, briefly what 75 Hard is.、Um, it's just five things. It's a mental fitness challenge. So, it, as much as people focus on the exercise portion of it and its intensity, it's really to say no matter what happens in 75 days, it's enough amount of days that you can change your habits. And also, it's, it's a lot of stuff. It's hard. And if you can do it for 75 days, like what else can you not do? And that's where I got a lot of that. Motivation and inspiration for Carnivore 75 Hard. There are certain things about 75 Hard that I didn't like, like the one gallon of water. I think most people do not need to drink that much. Even the extra- so, say, let's say what it is first. So, the、okay. original, just the five concepts、sure. that people know. So, the original 75 Hard Challenge was started by Andy Frisella. Did you, I think maybe you said that.、Um, but、I、it was <laughs> two 45 minute workouts a day, one、yes. of which has to be outside. Right. And it has to be separate. So you can't do a full hour and a half. And it's intentionally,、workout. yeah. So it's supposed to be a strain on your time on purpose. Right. So that's obviously hard. You drink a gallon of water a day. You have to follow a specific diet a、yes. day, right? Like, which 
you can right. pick carnivore, keto, right. uh, calorie, whatever. Um, take a picture every day and read 10 pages of a physical book a day. Yes. Yes. And then as part of the diet, he also has no cheats and alcohol, which isn't difficult for me. So the diet portion is the part that most people fail because I don't know if they make it too restrictive, but I mean, how much more restrictive can you get than carnivore? So the diet part is super easy. Um, The only thing I modified is if sometimes if I had a keto treat or something, it wasn't a big deal for me, but I'm just trying to be really focused. And so I'm not even having that. So that's where it's been a little bit more strict carnivore. And And so that part is my diet, but the time of working out was hard for me because I don't ever work out that much. I will go to the gym maybe three times a week, and but to make that much time and to drink that much water was the hardest stuff for me. And I guess the main reason I did this was, one, I really, really like a lot of the content that Andrew Frisella brings up. And when he brings up 75 hard, I think there's always been this did I make carnivore 75 hard as a cop out not to do the full 75 hard? There's always been that little inkling in me. And I just felt that, no, I think I can do it um, just to prove that. And then I know that my year this year is going to be really crazy. And I just felt if I could just start the year being really productive and even including this crazy time eating challenge that um, I can really do anything. So it was just this, I'm going to prove to myself, I can do this. And Also, just the hardship I had with my friend recently, it was a, you know what, nothing's going to bring me down. And I'm going to even put something harder in my life to prove that I can do things and do hard things. So that's really ultimately where it stemmed from. It wasn't like a diet thing at all. And what I have found that has been so powerful with this was after the first day, I woke up with anxiety of like, oh my gosh, I have to do that all over again. And this is terrible and miserable. The water drinking has been horrendous. And I've just ignored the recommendations I would give myself normally as a, a nutritionist. So I just take extra you really, element. You really recommend not drinking that much water. Yes. Like, <laughs> and I think too, you have, you pointed out to me recently, like this challenge doesn't take into account your height and your weight. Like he's a really big buff guy and tall versus somebody else who's like smaller and petite. Like they shouldn't necessarily be drinking the same amount of water. And this challenge just has like a blanket, like gallon of water a day at the end. Yeah. I think when he started this, he was 300 and something pounds and he's obviously leaner now or more muscular, but I'm like half that weight. And so for me, and then you drink water based on like half of your ideal body weight. So you can see that maybe I should be drinking 75 ounces and I don't know what a full gallon is, but basically I'm drinking double that amount the way that I'm compensating. And I know it's not ideal for me, but I don't want to alter it so that I could just, just for the namesake of saying I did it. So I'm just taking more element. I'm taking more mineral salts and stuff like that, knowing that it's probably not ideal. So I I get that whole part. The exercise part, I am not going to the gym every day. In fact, I'm going to the gym less so that I could just make it more efficient. For example, I'm doing stuff around the house outdoors that I would have never done. So I'm like cleaning up weeds, picking up leaves and doing lots of things that I used to just pay someone for. And I realized you can get a lot done in 45 minutes and just in two and a half weeks, our backyard looks so clean and it's, (laughs) and Kevin is shocked and it's really shown me, I just dedicate 45 minutes every day, go outside, whether it's cold, raining or hot. And I get this stuff done and it's shown just in two and a half weeks times 45 minutes that you can get a lot done. And it's really opened my eyes because I used to think I needed to pay somebody to do all this cleaning or something, but no, we can get a lot done. It's been an incredible change. And I think that has been 
the most eye-opening for me. So instead of in the morning, I wake up and I come straight to my computer and I'm starting to work, I go outside for a walk or I do that gardening and and I'm listening to an inspirational podcast and it's been so motivating to start the day right. And it's been incredible. I don't, that's the biggest change. I think just in two and a half weeks, if someone can just start the morning, go on a walk. And I know when you're so busy, it seems like the last thing you want to do, but get some fresh air, go outside, be in the dirt. And it really can change your outlook in life or in that day. And then how you move for the rest of the day. What's interesting to me, and when you first told me about this, I just obviously, you know, as a, <laughs> so I'm supposed to be a supportive friend, but I was like, Judy, you're crazy because I don't know anybody that's as busy as you, right? You are like the busiest person that I know. And so then when you say that you're going to fit in like two 45 minute workouts a day on top of everything that I know that you have going on right now and just how busy you are in general, like I, it seems impossible. And so I, I know how much focus and, effort it takes for you to make that time in the day. So like, how is that? Do you feel like you're letting other things drop in order to fit that in? Or do you think that you just have rearranged or like you said, maybe you're becoming more efficient? I think some of it's efficiency, but um, I do think that I am deprioritizing things just to be wholly honest. So for example, I typically get back to my clients within 24 hours. Now it's like sometimes 48 or 72, but but I am not deprioritizing it. So I'll look at the emails. And if it's not a client session or something that's really an emergency, but people are just asking questions, I may wait on that. So it forces you to prioritize things in your life. And I, for example, some days, um, if I'm really busy, I bought a walking treadmill. So I will work and <laughs> walk on the treadmill indoors. And that'll be my indoor workout, right? Because it's better than me just sitting. And I don't know if Andy Frisella would say that's not a good enough workout. But in my mind, that is more movement than I've done in the last however many other days. So right. I think that's still good. And it really depends. The other day, I was just remodeling things around the house. And to me, that's movement that I would have never done. It's really very individualized, but I'm more short on time. So, you know, I may not be in messages as much. Or I'm definitely not on social media. And when you are limited with time, and, and I think everyone can attest to this, when people say, oh, if I quit my job or if I'm on vacation, then I'm going to do all this stuff. And a lot of right. people will find that they don't get it done because now that when you have so much time, you just kind of don't do anything. But when you're pressed for time, that's when people notice that they work out more, they may clean up their diet. And I think it's the same thing with this. It's just really showing me that if you dedicate a certain amount of time and you allocate it, that's how I wrote my book. That's how I wrote Carnivore Cure as much as it's such a monster of a project. And the second version is killing me right now. But I know that if I just take every day, my goal right now is just modify 500 words a day. And if I do the 500 words, that'll eventually become the 80,000 word book, right? And it's just right. little pieces. But I think when we focus on, oh my gosh, I have to write a book, then I never want to do it. Right. I just thought, Frisella owns a $100, $500 million business. And if he can do it, there's no excuse why I can't do it too. And that's really my perspective with the time part. Well, and you had created the Carnivore 75 Hard Challenge, which is like two shorter workouts. And it focuses on gratitude and take... Um, no, I can't even. I know. I'm oh, forgetting it too. It's, no, it's like <laughs> complimenting somebody else, yes. giving a genuine compliment to somebody right. else. Sticking to the diet, 
Um, and then the writing down three things that you're grateful for. So like, it was a more mild version. And I think, first of all, I think that's much more realistic for most people. I think it, it motivates them to do a little bit of movement. It focuses on gratitude. It doesn't have the water thing in it, you know, which is right. like you said, not ideal, but, and so I think if I'm recommending somebody what to do, I recommend that they go do the more mild version, but that's right, also because right. knowing myself, but I know you personally, like, Andy Frisella, who created the original one, kind of teases people who do like more variations yeah. of his, <laughs> yeah. saying like they're not legit. And so I think, you know, that's definitely now you can prove that you did the real one too. I think the outdoor workout is beneficial just for a lot of the reasons. And so we had that in Carnivore 75 Heart. It's just yeah. 15 minutes of your movement, how to be outside, but we didn't have two separate 45 minutes. And I'm not pushing myself at the gym where I'm, I'm not being unrealistic about this thing. It's more of, I have just learned that you can do, or I can even do a lot more in 24 hours than I thought I could. And so when I say I don't have time for X, I realize it's an excuse. And even though I'm busy, yeah, I I really think everyone can change their life. If we just make our 24 hours in a day, and let's say we use eight of it for our sleep, but if 16 hours, we can do anything uh, minus the time we have for work. And even if you dedicate 30 minutes into a hobby or something, you can change your life. And in two and a half weeks time, I was able to see that just with my backyard. Yeah. And I think the, like you mentioned earlier, when you have all this time off, then it's almost harder to do things. But when you're under the gun and you're pressed, like, I don't know, I feel like I'm in this like insanely busy season in my life right now where I've said yes to too many things. And it's just like, it's getting a little overwhelming. And so I just came home from a trip and I had two days with essentially two days with nothing to do. And I did nothing. (laughs) And then now I'm almost even more overwhelmed because I could have used that to be a lot more productive. Like, I mean, granted, I needed to sleep. I needed to catch up. I needed to do a little bit of resting, but I also have to just be very careful about either not like running a hundred miles an hour or doing nothing. Like I kind of feel like I fall into those camps where I'm not finding the balance of, being a little bit productive every day where so that I don't get overwhelmed with all the things that I've committed to. So I fell asleep. So I typically read the 10 pages and he requires it to be a physical book because I read all the time on my phone. I mean, I read the Bible and all these other things, but you're not allowed to use it, your phone. So I'm going to follow the rules. And so I am reading a physical book. I normally read it during the day, but that night I decided I'm going to read it by my bedside. And my habit is to read on my phone until I fall asleep. And I forgot to actually read the physical book and I woke up and I realized I failed. Right. And Kevin's like, just forget it. You still technically read on your phone. And I'm like, no, no, I I know in my heart of hearts that I won't consider it. But because I failed, it took me a few days to start back up because I thought, Mm -hmm. oh, well, now that I failed, I'm not going to drink my water tomorrow. I'll just start again. And that's why when I saw you, I didn't drink my water and I started again because I thought, well, I already have to start from day one and it becomes so easy to move it. And I see the slippage and how easy it is. So I think it's a very, I think it is a very common human tendency that when you have all the time, you almost procrastinate. But we do that with so many things. I mean, I talk about this from a diet perspective all the time where I would start this like super strict diet on Monday. And then like Wednesday, I ate something I shouldn't have, or I didn't blew my fasting window or something. And then I'm like, ah, well, forget it. I just blew today. So then you eat something bad Thursday. And then you're like, well, now it's the weekend. I might as well wait wait and start again on Monday. And then you eat as 
you know, you have this mentality of like, well, I'll get it all out of my system and I'll eat bad and then I'll wait again and start Monday. So then you're in this like terrible cycle where you're just starting again every Monday or, well, it's the 20, 20th. I might as well wait till the first of the month. And right. so it's, it's hard. So I love the concept of a challenge and pushing yourself to do more. But in the last couple of years, I have stayed away from them even more. Like even in locals, I started locals and we were doing these like challenge groups. And obviously everybody starts at day one, super pumped and motivated. And then the longer you go, the more people fall off. And they feel like because I failed on day seven, then I've blown the rest of the month. And so I might as well just like go off the rails and then wait and start with everybody else again on day one, again on the following month. And it's just this like crazy mentality. So I don't know. I ha- I've stopped doing those challenges in locals because I feel like if anything, it doesn't let people reset the next day versus just trying to focus on one day at a time. And how do you, okay, I blew it today and it's a Wednesday. Well, guess what? Thursday's a new day and tomorrow's a new day. Like it's hard to break out of that mindset of like, well, I might as well wait again until Monday. Or like you said, right. like wait a couple of days and then restart again. Yeah. I, I wish if I could talk to Andy Frisella and tell him about his challenge. I think it would be better to say, just have the next day still be this next number instead of me saying, okay, well, I failed on day 12 because I didn't read the book. I wish it was still day 13. And as long as I finish 70 70 of the 75 days, it's a win. Because when you lose that motivation, and mine was such an accidental, oh my gosh, I forgot to read a physical book. And and then the next day, I just decided not to drink water. And then I noticed like, oh, well, now I'm going to have the keto treat that Kevin bought. Like there was keto ice cream. I think it was Enlightened was on sale. So I was like, oh, you know what? I wanted to try that. And I thought I had to wait 75 days. And now I'll try that. So there, every day became another reason of, well, I have to start on day one anyway. When is my day one going to start? And I, I noticed it too. So if you think of it, you have to start all over again. That starting all over is like, well, then let me just start on X date. And then until then, I'm going to party hard, basically. And it's so, right. and that's when it becomes years later or months later. And you notice you're in the same boat when, yeah. you know, you could have really progressed. And in reality, the, the, the like the one bite of the keto tree didn't really set you off. But if you would have allowed that to say, well, now I'm just going to eat that stuff every day until Monday you know, then you actually are doing that damage. So it's like, oh, I blew it. I had a bite of my whatever. And then that's not the problem. It's not the one little bite. It's the fact that most of the time that causes us to completely spiral out of control. And it takes us a really hard time to rein things back in. It's why I have shifted so much of my mindset from the last couple of years from a all or nothing mentality to a, my, what's my one non-negotiable thing? Because if my fasting window goes out the window or I snack at night or I do something that I'm not supposed to, it's like, I still want that win of saying, what's my one non-negotiable thing. And then I don't have that mindset where I feel like a failure. And then I don't just use that as an excuse to go off the rails. Like, I don't know. It's interesting because you hear of somebody like I hear you're doing this challenge. And the first thing that goes through my mind is like, I should do that. Should I do that? Like I should. Right. And then it's like, well, that sounds like a lot of work. I'm not going to do that. So it's this balance of like people hear about a challenge. I think, okay, this is not even what we're going to talk about today. And this happens so much, but this is what happens with these trends and stuff on carnivore is you hear with anything with trends in any mentality uh, or anything 
even fashion trends or whatever, you hear somebody's doing something and then your first instinct is like, oh, I should do that too. And you know, it's like why everybody starts doing what everybody else is doing is because you want to be a part of it. It's that like FOMO, right? The fear of missing out is I want to be a part of it. When in reality, maybe that's not the best thing for me to do. Like I, maybe, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? The way that we thrived is when we were accepted in a community. And so if our community has this trend and let's say there's appointed leader and this appointed leader is based on follower count and you see them eat certain foods or they do certain fads or certain things, then people feel like, well, I want to be a part of that. Right. And then as more and people do it, then you see many people doing right. It was like that when that chaffles, when that was in, I remember everyone was making it. And even I thought I should buy one of those machines and try it. And I, you know, never got to it, but it just got to a point Well, everyone's doing it. Well, if I'm not part of everyone, then I'm an outsider. And so you start to believe that that's the right thing. And that's how liver became popular in the carnivore community. Because when I first started carnivore, liver was not even on the table. A lot of this happens with celebrities where you see a celebrity and you really like them and they're wearing a certain product or shoes or something brand named. And when we buy it, we feel like I'm not them, but because we have the same product, we are similar or we are in the same community and we feel like we are then accepted or in the know. And I think that's why trends get followed. Yeah. It's happening with like nail color and fashion and, you know, how people do their hair and stuff like that. It definitely is a human thing. And I think in a lot of ways, there's nothing wrong with, with, you know, being influenced by, I I mean, I always say I'm the biggest easiest. I'm the easiest to influence. Like every hair product, makeup (laughs) product, piece of clothing that I own was influenced to me by somebody that I follow on social media. I follow a lot of like, you know, moms and fashion people and whatever. And like, that's where I'm learning about, like, look at my eyebrows. You guys can't see because you're on audio, but like I have fluffy eyebrows right now. I've been like (laughs) styling my eyebrows differently to try to look like I got the fluffy eyebrow trend, right? I'm totally influenced. Um, So I I agree. I don't think there's anything wrong with that per se, but I think we have to understand kind of going back to the diet stuff. Like my first instinct when I hear you doing this 75 hard challenge is like, oh, I should do that. And then in reality, like it's not the best (laughs) fit for me to be perfectly honest. Like, I mean, maybe there's elements of it that I should do, but I also know that if I personally take on this like huge, big challenge at some point, inevitably, one of the things will fall fall away. It's just inevitable. Right. And I think in, in a lot of ways, he expects that to happen. You're going to have to start over a bunch of times. You, Judy, are likely going to have to start over. Right. No, I, I'm more sure. Th- more than one more time, right, to be able to make this work. I have too much of a counter that when one little piece of this challenge falls apart and I have now failed the challenge and I have to start over again at day one, There is so much in me that just goes like, ah, forget it. And I would completely go off the rails Mm -hmm. before I would be able to rein it back in and get it back under control again. And so trying to take on this huge challenge while there are amazing benefits and habits that can be built, I agree. For me, I know it almost would do the opposite where I would end up failing the challenge and putting myself in like much bigger setbacks because of it. And that's a problem. That's something I have to work on with myself. Um, but I have to do that by kind of like taking things one day at a time, I guess. 
I think a lot of people fall into that. So if I'm being wholly honest and I didn't have all the things on my plate, maybe that would happen to me, right? So maybe the one day that I didn't read the book, maybe I would be dilly-dallying a lot longer than I have now. But because I have so many different deliverables due right now and stuff I need to get done, I don't have that option. I literally don't have that option. So, yeah. But it still took me a few days to start reining it back in. So I I don't think that's a you thing. I do think it's common. So that's where people have to really understand their strengths and weaknesses and figure out if a challenge is too strict and too regimented and it gives you almost anxiety. And then when you fall off, you're like, screw it. Now I get to just eat all the things or do all the things I wasn't able to during this restraint period, then maybe it isn't good for you. When I first listened to Frisella and I listened to all this content, I thought, well, 75 hard seems too strict. Um, I don't work out every day. And then I don't work out two times a day. And I don't drink that much water. So I think I try to find a balance that made sense for our community. And the diet itself is so hard for us anyway. And carnivore 75 hard doesn't even allow you to really use sweeteners or any it's like super strict in the diet perspective. But now that I've had I've like used that muscle of resilience and grit and have grown enough I'm willing to do it now, four years later of me listening to Frisella, because now I think I'm ready to challenge myself. But I do see those risks of if I fall off, what would happen to me? But I'm so busy enough. I guess that was my crutch, knowing that I couldn't fall off too hard. Yeah, I think I think there can be amazing life-changing benefits to doing something that hard. And maybe that's my fear. Maybe this is the wuss in me saying like, I'm too scared to do it that much or, and I'm not making it a priority. I I fully believe that. Um, It's just interesting. I, I want people to be able to find a balance of what works for them. You know, this is what we talk about all the time. And I don't know what that looks like. Um, I, I do think people need to, even if they follow societal norms or community oriented things that they see as common, Everyone just needs to take a pause and say, is that good for me? And I can bring up the example of the celebrities. I grew up in Los Angeles, so we were so close to lots of celebrities. Joseph Gordon-Levitt went to my high school. So I we were very... Wait, in, he did, at the same time when... How, yeah, we're the same, the same age. age. Yeah, we're the same age. That's I know, crazy. Defines my age, but um, <laughs> yes, but... Back then, if a celebrity was wearing a certain pair of jeans, like people would, out of their first job out of school, they would buy $200 jeans. And in my mind, I thought that was crazy. And and I remember feeling like I should get those too, but I couldn't get myself to buy $200 jeans when all of us are making such little money, but all the celebrities and the supermodels were wearing that. So it was like the cool thing to do. And, yeah. and it just goes to... We have to take a pause as much as everyone has it. And I'm not cool because I don't have it. But how much is that impacting your ability to maybe buy quality quality food or buy different experiences in yeah. your life or save money? And that's where it doesn't matter what it is. Even if it's a trend, you have to always wonder, does this make sense for me? And will it benefit me or not based on my personality and my needs? Yeah. And looking at this and saying, like, am I doing this? because it's going to help me or am I doing it because it's what somebody else is doing and I want to be a part of that. And I think that's where we kind of see all the biohacking and all the things like get picked up. And 
even me, I had, I had to check myself and say like, why you're not doing this because you're doing this because Judy's doing this or like, you're not, I didn't actually do it. It was like a three second moment in my head, <laughs> like of being like, yeah, no, that's not happening. Um, but maybe that's just me being lazy, but it is, it's, it's wondering like what benefit would I have from that? Mm-hmm. And I think it's, I think more than anything, you're right. You, it has to be the right time in your life to take on that type of challenge right now. I'm still trying to make it through the day to day and work on and, you know, consistency. And I think that I, I'm not ready for that big of a challenge to push me. I'm not in a, in a place right now where that would be helpful. If anything, it would be the opposite. So it's important to know, um, you know, the repercussions of like what decisions we're making, I guess. Yeah. One of the reasons in carnivore 75 hard, I changed in carnivore 75 hard. Why I put gratitude is the biggest things that motivate or demotivate humans is fear and anger. Those are the two things that debilitate us from growing and being our most potential. And we saw how news and everything in the last three years is using fear, using anger to control us or manipulate us. And the only thing that offsets that is gratitude. You cannot be grateful and then be fearful, right? So you Mm. cannot be grateful and be angry. And so that's where I thought that was so important to include in Carnover 75 hard. And I think when it comes to a lot of these challenges, if it can provide you ways to be more grateful or help you in your path, then maybe it's a benefit. But if it's not, and I think a lot of the stuff that goes on online is they sell fear, right? This is the product and why you're not losing weight. If you did this, then you will be healed. If you fasted this much, or if you ate only a certain quality meat, then you will be better. And so people are like, maybe that's the reason. And people so desperately want to heal. And this is where I think it gets into unethical boundaries, but that is normally not the reason. And it's people need to find in their hearts of hearts, what brings them gratitude, what will allow them to see the world in a better way where they're fighting for better and wanting better in their lives. And it's not some magic pill or magic tool or magic something. And I I think that's where this is ultimately what we're talking about. Yeah. The work conference that I attended recently, they had, they brought in a keynote speaker and he gave like a motivational speech. His name was Scott Welly. And he talked about how um, we have 50,000 thoughts a day. Like the average person has 50,000 thoughts a day and over 80% of them are negative. Right. That's so wild to me. And then I think it's, it's like, well, you, you, you check yourself and you say like, I don't think I'm that negative of a person, but when you realize that fear is one of them. And yeah. and like you said, so much of what we are inundated with every day is fear and the news and scrolling and, you know, all these crazy things that like fear is such a motivator for um, decision-making. And when you're having 50,000 thoughts a day and over 80% of them are negative, it takes so much focus and intention to create a positive mindset. Like it is really hard work and it, it doesn't happen by accident to be a positive person. It doesn't happen by accident to like create this positive mindset and to be, you know, motivated in a positive way. It takes a lot of work and writing down things that you're gratitude, uh, grateful for, and just focusing on the positive side of things is takes a lot of work. 
Just to add to that, that statistic, it's also that you're thinking the same thoughts every single day too. So you're in this feedback loop of you think of negative mm-hmm. things, you think of the same thoughts over and over. And then when people are now going through a midlife crisis of how have I lived my life thus far, it's because we have the same thoughts over and over. And if we were to take some time and really challenge our thoughts, and then we can live a life that's without restraints. But I know that whether it's social media or the news or anything, we are taught to be scared of everything. But I was listening to Tony Robbins recently, and he was just saying, in order to change, it is not a, I need to find the magic fix. It's not a, I need to know what habit or what tool or what diet. That's normally not the reason people don't change. It's oftentimes the way that they view themselves. And if it's whether it's fear, right? So we've been fear monger for the last three years to stay indoors, wear a mask, separate from your neighbor because you can't trust them and, and that you might get sick. When we're separated from everyone, we will naturally become depressed because we are community oriented species. And then when we are carrying ourselves in this negative beat, It's how is it going to affect everything else in your life? And when we view the world negatively, we release hormones in that way. Right. When you have a negative thought in your mind and you release cortisol, your immune system is impaired for the next three hours, three hours by having a negative thought. But then if you have a positive thought, your immune system will be supported for the next three hours. So then think about having 50,000 thoughts and then 80% of that being negative. Think about what's going on with your immune system. So I know there's a lot of people that think mind body stuff is very woo woo, but we actually based on what we think the way that we view the world will affect our hormones. And that'll affect the way that we look at the rest of the world, how it impacts our immune system, our gut health, everything else. I didn't tell anyone I was doing 75 hard because I was scared. I was scared I would fail and that I would have to tell everyone I failed. And now that I'm 20 something days in, I feel a lot stronger to share, but I probably will still fail. And that's okay. I mean, this is a mental fitness challenge and I'm going to keep going and I'm okay with that. But I was genuinely scared I couldn't do it. And that's why I didn't share with anybody. Yeah, I think that is pressure alone. I think when people start a carnivore diet too, sometimes like making this grand announcement about it to everybody, it like invites questions, it invites criticism, it invites people, you know, asking a lot of questions or it's like judging you and watching you. I think there's a, an element where sometimes, again, you kind of have to know yourself, like is making this announcement going to hold you accountable to doing it? Or is it going to put so much pressure on you that it invites unwanted questions and criticisms. And it depends. Like I sometimes feel a lot of sense of accountability by sharing things on social media. It makes me feel accountable. And if if anything, it helps keep me on track because I've announced it. But there's other times when if you're not as confident in what you're doing and if it's new and if it's fresh, like, and you announce to everybody, you're going to eat carnivore only for 30 days or 90 days. And your family all of a sudden starts like criticizing you and attacking you and like questioning what you're doing, it can cause you to question it as well. I didn't have to deal with that when I was actually learning to eat. Like it was a very private, gradual thing when I was doing it. I didn't start announcing it until I was done essentially, you know, like just confident in the fact that it had worked. Um, So I think it's kind of the same thing, like is maybe keep it, keep it things private for a while while you're still figuring out what works for you. You don't have to announce everything all the time. Yeah. And there's no, there's no issue with dabbling in things and trying. I mean, I, ever since we released 
content around the butter stuff or the high fat stuff, I get so many messages and emails about macros and calories and how much is ideal. And every time I release a new video on something, there's even more questions after. And I think people just want this one magic bullet and they're hoping that will help them be fixed forever. But I think it's a lot more complex than that. I don't think it's just diet. I think it's also mindset and being consistent. I I think that even though you don't have a challenge, Laura, just from seeing you as an outside perspective, you had surgery, you went back to work in less than five days. You were filming YouTube videos in the period I thought you were going on break. I see it. And you know, I almost think you don't even need a 75 heart. I think the only thing that would be hard for you would be the drinking water because it's a lot of water. But I think everything yeah. else you could do it. And I mean, I could drink a di- gallon of Diet Coke a day, but I don't think Andy Priscilla <laughs> counts that. <laughs> you have been so consistent in many things. And even if every day is not perfect, your consistency yeah. shows, right? It's it's whatever you do privately shows publicly is that saying. And I mean, it's clear to me just knowing you as a friend that you have been consistent and maybe you want it to be even more perfect. You've really done a lot of healing and I can see it. But I think I, I appreciate that. And I also <laughs> think like, thank you. Uh, I think, but like you mentioned, you have to shift your priorities. And I feel like I've gotten to a point where I've said yes to so many things that I'm getting overwhelmed with kind of like a lot of those obligations. And I'm, you know, like I, it's crazy. Honestly, I was like, I'm not even going to break it down, but like there's like a 30 day period between mid January and mid February where I am literally gone more than I'm home between like work and personal and things like it's just kind of some things have compounded. And then when I am home, I have commitments of things that need to be home. I just feel like, you know, this is such a crazy season um, where I'm like, where's my priority? And I'm realizing that like my kids are not getting enough of my attention in this moment. And so like being home, that's actually when I said I did nothing for two days because I gave the kids nothing but my attention for two days. Right. And it's while that might seem unproductive because I didn't do something for work or put off a checklist, like that had to be my number one priority because, um, from a time perspective, like I'm gone a lot right now and I'm wanting to make sure that they're feeling that from me, but I don't know. It's also helping me to start to realize that I can't keep up this pace that I'm on of being gone and home. And so it's like, it's shifting my priorities and saying, I need to be here more. I need to focus on my real job. I need to do things that are just going to not have me running this like with a chicken with a head cut off so much just to get everything done. So I have to, I'm, I'm in a season where I need to start saying no to more, more things, um, and balancing my time a lot better. And so that's a big part of why I need to not take on a challenge of some kind, you know? Yeah. And, th- and that makes sense. So they say that as you get busier, the art is now you have to be smarter at saying no and yeah. learning how to say no to things. And I mean, honestly, I've been asked to speak at random things and I've been having to use the muscle of saying no. And it- it's not like an arrogance thing at all. It's just literally, I, I don't have the time right now. And it's, um, my kids do eat up a lot of my time and I don't mind it. That's a decision I made on right. Tuesdays and Thursdays. There's a five hour block of time that I do nothing but kids stuff. And I lose a lot of that time, but I don't want to get a nanny or something to take over that. Cause it's my kids and that will always be my number one priority. Yeah. I think we all have to find it. Like nutrition is a big part of this. It's not about knowing the right macros that gets you healthy and how's you heal. It's just, it's not about knowing the right information. If we all could just read a book and be experts, right. it would be a very simple way. And we, you'd have a lot of experts in the world. Um, but it's truly about implementing things and 
whether or not that's like building on one small habit a day, the Atomic Habits book, and like kind of building on letting those small habits build you momentum, whether or not it's taking on this like huge, massive challenge, um, whatever that looks like. I think the goal is to get better one, 1% every day um, and, and just finding a way to, to continue to improve and be healthy and, and all those good things long-term. Um, and it's, it's going to be different for everybody. It's not, it's not as simple as here's how to lose weight or yeah. here's how to get healthy and, and being able to implement it. And I think unfortunately too many people are looking for information and not enough people are looking for motivation or to build habits. They're waiting for the motivation to come and they're looking for information on how to do it. When in reality, we need to be focused on building those motivation muscles and focusing on a positive mindset um, and just ensuring that we are mentally in a good place. And I think that the information of what's the right thing to do will come. I shared not that long ago that it was eight years ago that I was checked into my um, eating disorder intensive outpatient care. Well, I guess it's even in five years from that time, I wrote Carnivore Cure. A lot can happen. And I was at rock bottom at the point where my son was taken away. I mean, I didn't even have Aiden yet. I was still plant-based. I still struggled for a year on keto. Yet every day I just committed to trying to be healthier, trying not to use eating disorder behaviors, trying not to be on antidepressants. In less than five years time, I wrote Carnivore Cure. And then in less than six years time, I had my own practice, a person of one. And now we're almost at a person of 10. And granted, not all of them are full-time, but a lot can happen in a shorter period of time. And this just goes full circle to what I was saying about the 45 minutes outdoors. We really, really think we can lose 20 pounds in a month. We think we could do all these things and we can. I mean, Laura has the secrets to losing weight really quickly, but if it's not sustainable, then it doesn't matter. And you have to think, can you lose that weight? Can you still do XYZ a year out, five years out? And that's what I really want people to get to. It's not that you don't have the secret macro or supplement or timing of eating. It's really that you have to be motivated to execute every single day. And some days it's hard and that's okay. The goal is you get back up, you just try to eat meat base the next day again. Just seeing that how much I've done in eight years when I was so sick, I wasn't even in the nutrition space and I knew nothing about nutrition, how much I've learned and grown since then. I know that anyone could do it because I was severely depressed, self-harming, and now I don't have any of that. And I never thought I would get over my eating disorder. I thought forever I would have to live with it. And I know for sure now I'll never struggle again. Well, I'll never say never, but I just know that if I've come that far, I know anyone can. And you just need to do the same thing over and over every single day, even if you don't want to, even if you want to eat the birthday cake, just stick to meat. You just stick to every single day because is that cake worth you losing your health? Is that cake worth your depression? And everyone thinks little bits is fine, but not when you're trying to heal. As you're trying to heal, be a little stricter. But if you fall off, have grace and then continue again. And over time, you can have the flexibility. Like me, when I said, oh, I can now eat keto treats or not. That was never an option six years ago. If I had even a little bit of sugar-free gum, I was 100% in a binge. Yeah, it's really crazy how much time heals 
when you're implementing the right behaviors. You know, um, this week is also six year anniversary of when Chris came home from the hospital after the necrotizing fasciitis. Like he went into the hospital Christmas day. So think about where we are right now. Like he was in the hospital that long fighting for his life with the flesh eating bacteria. And he was at the worst health he'd ever been in his life. I was completely destroyed from dealing with an a baby and a toddler and a husband. And I was working and like, I was eating myself into the ground at that point, like just trying to survive. And he came home and I wish I could say like, he came home and we changed our health that day. No, we were, he was dealing with PTSD. He was dealing with extreme pain. I was still trying to just like survive. We ate like trash for another year after that. And it wasn't until we both kind of like were in the mental place where we could actually put our feet on the ground and start focusing on our health again. And it took us like a full year before we were able to do that. And so then it was like March of 2018. So coming up right now has been five years since we have been eating carnivore. And essentially, you know, that's, I mean, you guys know the story. We lost a hundred pounds in a year. We reversed all of our stuff. We went through some setbacks, right? We had to find a way to figure out maintenance. We had to realize that it's not about the perfect macros and how fast can you lose weight? But it's like, how can you keep it off? And now looking back now and you telling me that I lost weight and have maintained it now for five years is like unimaginable to me. I never would have believed that I could have done that. Even on those days when I was actually being successful, I never would have imagined that I could be sitting where I am now. And it's just only possible when I shifted to this like one day at a time mentality and figured out like, what is the life that I want to live? How can I just make a good decision today? I'm going to make the best decision that I can today. Even if I know that tomorrow is going to be X's birthday and there's going to be this temptation and there's going to be this, like today, I'm just going to make the best decision I can today. And tomorrow I'm going to worry about tomorrow and I'm going to focus on like tomorrow. I'm going to make the best decision that I can. That cake will be there another day. I can worry about it next time. Like this, it's really just about figuring all that out. I don't know. And so I think people need to have some patience Stop stressing about the macros, stop worrying about being perfect and figuring out how can I build healthy habits, focus on a positive mindset and have some patience to let my body heal and figure it out. Yeah, I think your one non-negotiable is a very powerful tool. Um, it starts small. And for me, it's not like I had all these goals. I couldn't even get three things done in a day. A lot of times I would have lost days and it took me to do those calendars with stickers and every sticker meant a certain thing. And I had to start small. And and I just want to uh, really quickly bring up you and Chris, because I think your stories are so powerful I think about when you just said that it was six years ago around this time that Chris came back and now he eats carnivore and does jujitsu fasted. And yeah. I thought that was so crazy um, that he does that. And he goes multiple times, you know, he's a teacher to your kids and thinking about just six years ago, he was in the hospital because he couldn't heal his own wound because of his diabetic complications. Right. And even for you, I mean, if you hadn't found carnivore, during the pandemic, I can't imagine how much more you would have struggled with the diet, Ugh. right? And it's just, yeah. but these baby steps bring you the armor to be stronger. And it may not be perfect. And that is okay. I think almost everybody I've interviewed um, on my channel, and they talk about the pandemic, all of them have said they've slipped up because it's normal. That's human behavior. But if you have right. the tools and that armor that you've set up, you can go back to it and just focus on the day to day. 
And I know we want to do like an Andrew Fasella 75 hard challenge when we're really struggling, like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to change a hundred things. But it actually what right. really works is those small little changes every single day. Yeah. Imagine you coming right out of the facility that you were in and having <laughs> to do a 75 hard challenge, right? It would have inevitably been the worst thing that you could have done. You were not in a place to do 100%. that. And I think that's the, I mean, the biggest takeaway that I want people to have is where are you right now? If your feet are solidly on the ground and you're just trying to like kick things up and go to the next level, like maybe a big challenge, joining a group challenge, focusing on a challenge of some kind, that's really hard is a great idea to take you to the next level. If you are still just trying to put one foot in front of the other and go through a day or two or a week or a month without a cheat, you need to start with like, what is your one non-negotiable thing? Bringing it back in, how can I do right. one baby step at a time to con- to build some consistency? But if you've had a year of consistency and you're looking to like level up and get leaner and get stronger and do that, then right. take on this big challenge. But like if you're still struggling with cheat days and carb binges, how about chill out and like find one non-negotiable thing and just focus on putting some consistency together. And I guarantee you that's going to be set you up for much better long-term success than like taking on some big challenge. Yeah, because ultimately, when you're consistent and you win your day, even if it's just the one non-negotiable you've won your day, it changes your mindset and it changes the perception of the way that you view the world and it changes the way that you think of yourself. If you try to go really strict when you've been having setbacks and then you fail another day, all it shows you is, see, I knew it, you're a failure, you can't do anything. Whereas if you have multiple days of just, I just have one meal of eating all meat. And if I can do that for seven days, your perception of you starts to change of, oh my gosh, I was able to eat seven days of just meat at lunch. And that is a win. I had a win day. And then you keep adding to that. That's the compounding benefits. And it's so small and so simple to start that way. But that's how big things can happen. Well, you'll have to keep us posted as you go through, uh, go through all this and see how it goes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I hope that this conversation just helps, you know, people to understand. Yes, I shared about 75 hard. Most of it was actually fear based that I didn't share it this far. And when I share it now, it's not saying, hey, come join me because I I have no plans on sharing what day I'm on or and ultimately focus on the day to day because eventually if you focus on the small wins, they will become bigger ones and you can actually enjoy your life, not have to focus on wellness conversations as much anymore and live your life and enjoy your life the way that you were meant to be living. Yeah. And then you can focus on other things and improving other areas of your life. Those healthy habits that you're building in order to lose weight and to heal metabolically are going to then compound into your work life and your business and your family. And just like, it'll help you to create healthy, good, positive habits and able to grow your business and your life and all these other wonderful areas of, of your life. If you weren't carnivore. Do you think you would have ever changed your job? Probably not. No. And I don't think I would have been as promoted as much as I was either. And I think it's just simply because I was comfortable. You know, I think when, when you feel miserable about yourself and you feel like you don't deserve to be healthier and you're feeling like a failure all the time, I think that affected my work life. It affected my motivation on my job. I was low energy. I was feeling just feeling physically miserable all the time, which then in turn makes you feel really mentally miserable. Um, 
you know, what, what we were going to talk about today was brain health. And it's just, there's, <laughs> there's no way to disconnect it. You know, like one of the things I was going to bring up was that we can't, um, Michael Hoffman said, you can't possibly separate the brain and the mind. And we'll talk about this more next time, yeah. but your brain and your mind are hundred percent connected. And the way that like you respond metabolically affects your brain and your motivation. And I think in a lot of ways, me getting my crap together from a health perspective almost gave me more energy and motivation to be more driven at work um, and then get promoted. And then eventually look to get out of my miserable circumstance that I was in with my job and look for a better opportunity. Yeah, no, that makes sense. From the day I met you till just like a year or two later, I think you like doubled your salary in the same company. So it's, or like close to doubled, but it's pretty wild how much just changing your diet, which then bleeds into your mindset, which then bleeds into everything else about your life can change your life. And that's why I think nutrition is so fundamental yeah, I think I still to this day try to listen to a lot of information that's not in the carnivore community. It's rare that I listen to nutrition information in general, but if I do, it comes from outside the carnivore world. Um, I listened to a podcast the other day with um, Ethan Supley and BioLane. Um, what's oh, his okay. name? Yeah, Lane Norton. Uh, Lane Norton. Lane Norton is like a total calories in, calories out yeah, guy. He He's a little ridiculous with that. And then also, um, Ethan Supley is the actor who um, lost like hundreds of pounds and has always struggled with food addiction and eating, but he's very like bro calorie diet, like chicken and rice kind of like diet most of the time. Um, And I listened to that podcast thinking it was going to be all about calories, mainly because I was like, Hey, it's been a while since I've consumed something along those lines. I want to check in. Like I need to make sure I'm not living in an echo chamber. I need to be challenged on what I think I should hear things from a different perspective. Now the podcast ended up being this amazing conversation of like, figure out what works for you. And so I really loved it, which is also, again, I would have completely avoided listening to something like that because it's like, I figured it was going to be all bro calories conversation. And it ended up being this like really awesome conversation about how to be consistent on anything long-term. And so I thought that was great. So it's like, it's just a reminder to not live in this silo of the carnivore world. I went to the Boca conference because it's low carb and there's a lot of people there that are not carnivore and even don't recommend carnivore. And I wanted to be a part of that and hearing science and information. Um, you know, like I'm super excited about KetoCon because there's a whole variety of people that are going to be there, uh, as well. And I try to make sure that I'm not living in this like carnivore bubble. Yeah, Lane Norton was on Ed Milet not too long ago. So Ed Milet, I only know of him because through Andy Frisella, they have a mastermind together. And I had the same opinions of Lane Norton of, oh, I know he just makes fun of all the carnivores and he's so bro calories. But then when you listen to him, he's very much about motivation and find what yes. works. And I was utterly surprised as well. And yes, he tries to not fear monger carbs. And he says it's really a calories in calories out. But you have to ultimately find what works for you. So if a low carb diet works because you're restricting carbohydrates, which is calories, then do that if that works for you, but don't get fear mongered. And so I gained more respect for him, but when I used to not like him that much, 
to be really honest. Yeah. And I think I didn't like him either because it would be like I would see other people taking clips of his out of context and like making fun of him or talking about it in that way. Or I would see a meme that he made or something. But it wasn't until I listened to like a full – now maybe he's changed. And I think he even admitted in this podcast he softened up a little bit over the years. Um, but it was – it's interesting and it was a really beneficial conversation to listen to. Yeah, I think his content's actually really good. It's just, he does go hard on social media. I mean, I shared about how certain grains have more mycotoxins or mold. And oh, um, yeah. he he said something like, that is not true. Or I forgot what he said. But I know his intent. And now I have more grace for what he shares. He's just, I mean, he's just another character online. But when you listen to his actual podcast, they're not bad. And you're right. He's, the carnivore community generally does not like him, but- I think because calories do matter and he's not wrong about that. Okay. He's not wrong about that. Carnivore works for me because I don't binge on ice cream because I'm not eating ice cream and I don't have a bunch of stuff. I'm not supposed, and I eat less calories, but like calories do, if you didn't miss that previous episode, we did, uh, they do matter. And he's not wrong about that. You can lose weight eating less calories of Twinkies, but who's going to be, you know, that's, that's, we talked about that already, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I just don't, like that he doesn't focus so much on nutrient density, but, and he's always about calories and it's true, but but for most people, when they eat a lot of sugar, it gets addictive. And that's where I disagree with him because he says sugar in isolation is not addictive and he shows science that proves that, but I just don't agree with him. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that's kind of, we'll save our other topic for next, next time. Um, Yeah. We hope you guys have a great week. Make good choices today. Have a wonderful day. Okay, we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to share and leave us a review and leave any comments and questions on Apple Podcasts. We will read and answer your questions and comments on an upcoming podcast episode. This also helps us to share our real talk with more community members. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nutrition with Judy, on all podcast channels. You can also follow my content on Nutrition with Judy's Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can find Carnivore Cure in paperback, ebook, and audio on Amazon. I also have a blog post and weekly newsletter with nutrition and wellness updates. You can sign up at nutritionwithjudy.com. You can find Laura on Instagram at Laura East Bath. You can follow along on her daily stories and see some of her funny skits. You can also find Laura on her YouTube channel where she shares tips on living a meat-based lifestyle. If you're wondering how much meat to eat in a day, week, or month, Laura has you covered. She also shares how to make a perfect sear on a steak and how extended fasting looks like in real life. You can find her YouTube channel by searching Laura's Bath. Thanks again for listening to the Cutting Against the Grain podcast. And remember, make sure to cut against the grain.